Okay, well, let's get started then. Uh, welcome to Worlds of Books. Uh, it, it's July 19th, uh, 2015, and today we are going to be discussing Dead Wake, The Last Crossing of the Lusitania by Eric Larson. Uh, my other co-moderator, Mickey Prayan, is still uh, tied up with uh, husband Bob, who's been in the hospital, I think, for the uh, since last week. And I, I, I believe he's getting better, so keep sending positive thoughts uh, their way and, and hope that he, he uh, gets home very soon. Uh, hang on one second. I'm going to jump over to my, uh, my Excel sheet to give you a little bit of background on Eric Larson. Okay. Eric Larson was born in Brooklyn, uh, New York, grew up in Freeport, Long Island, New York. Uh, his birth date is January 3rd, 1954. He graduated summa cum laude uh, in 1976 from the University of Pennsylvania uh, studying Russian history. Uh, I I don't really know what you do with a Russian history uh, background, but uh, hey, uh, he liked it. And and I guess it got him started down this. uh, uh, He he seems to be kind of on on a history path, so uh, it makes sense. He took he 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 sat out a year and then he, he graduated in 1978. Uh, from the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. Some of his career included, he was a, uh, his first newspaper job was with the Bucks County Courier Times in Levittown, Pennsylvania. He later became a feature, a feature writer with both the Wall Street Journal and uh, Time Magazine where he is still a contributing writer. Uh, some of his books include uh, 1992, The Naked Consumer, How Our Private Lives Become Public <clears throat> Commodities, excuse me. 1994, Lethal Passage, The Travels of a Single Handgun, Expose the Roots of America's gun crisis. <laughs> 1999, Isaac Storm, A Man, A Time, and the Deadliest Hurricane in History. 2003, this is one that we that most of you have probably heard of, The Devil in the White City, Murder, Magic, and Madness at the Fair, let's see, at the fair that changed America. And that was a 2004 Edgar Award winner. 2011, I think this is another one we may have read for one of our book groups, The Garden of Beast, Love, Terror, and an American Family in Hitler's Berlin. And finally, uh, 2015, uh, Dead Wake, uh, the, crossing of the, uh, the last crossing of the Lusitania. Okay, uh, uh, Eric's personal life, he's married with three daughters. Uh, he resides in New York City, but he also has a, uh, a, another home in Seattle, Washington. Okay, all that stuff is from Wikipedia, and I uh, hope it made sense. And I'm going to uh, release the mic and, and, and let uh, let y'all say what you thought about the book. Well, um, I... Remember hearing about the Lusitania um, in school, and 
I never really paid very much attention to it. I thought, hmm, I don't really know if I would want to read a book about it, a whole book about it. And then, of course, this was put on our, our books to read for World of Books. So, uh, of course, I mixed up the months, and I read it for June, and then it was not the book for June. So, anyway, um, so I was kind of here and there about it. I didn't know whether I wanted to read the whole, the whole book about it, but then I started it. And, well, I had read The Devil in the White City, and I just never realized that it was by Eric Larson, and this was the same Eric Larson, and I loved The Devil in the White City. And I love this book. I learned so much about... Um, I, I love the way he he talked about the different passengers. And sometimes it was as if he knew them. It was so... Uh, I mean, he must have done a great, great deal of research. And, of course, he spoke with the people that were still alive that got off the boat okay ship um but I was very taken with the book um reading it of course since you know that it's going to uh be uh wrecked you get the feeling that oh my gosh but I don't want it to I don't want this to to have, but I don't want all these good people to lose their lives. And uh, but I, I really, I thought it was wonderful. So, Alan, I think you recommended it. Recommended it, didn't you? Thank you. I really, really, really got a lot out of it and enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I did recommend it because I had, I had heard good things about it and stuff. So, I, I, you know. I like. I have to kind of push myself to read nonfiction, but I always seem to enjoy it uh, when I read it. And, and we and we seem to we seem to try to read a little bit more nonfiction in this group uh, uh, as compared to some of the other ones. So, all right, I'll release and let other folks comment. Well, since Don didn't, I will. <laughs> I will. Um, yes, in fact, you know, this is the only group really that I know of that's set up to read nonfiction, except Don's history group. So. As far as I'm concerned, I wish we would read more nonfiction, you know, just because most of the other groups don't. Yeah, I, I found the book very interesting, um, almost too long. You know, some of these facts, really, we kind of didn't need to know as much as he told us, but that's his style, and so he does that. And um, and I'm like, Joni, I certainly learned a lot. I had never read a book about the Lusitania before, and I, I knew about it. Um, and the way he told the story certainly kept your attention, which was a great thing for a nonfiction book, which really, you know, was more like historical fiction. I don't know if it was listed as nonfiction or, or what. I, I didn't pay that much attention, but... Um, it was interesting the things he told us about the family, and obviously, since he couldn't talk to most of these people, I mean, he wasn't in their age group, uh, he must have reviewed a lot of 
written information about it. Um, and just out of curiosity, because apparently you were in that group too, Elm was that book about the beast, was that the one where the family went over there and he was the ambassador and they had such a miserable time watching Hitler on the move in the early days? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, it, w- it was set in uh, uh, Hitler's Berlin and stuff, so uh, the Garden of Beasts is what we're talking about. And uh, 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 so, so I think you, I think you, you nailed it. And I wanted to say welcome to uh, David and Deborah. I think they came in after we uh, we got started. So uh, I'll release the mic. Oh well, hello. I were you calling on me to say something? <laughs> I heard my name. No, I was just saying hello and welcome to to, to you and David because I'd already already uh, chatted up the rest of the participants, and I think y'all came in maybe a little bit uh, after we started. Hello, group. Um, asking for opinions about the book. I like this book, and as I think I said to somebody earlier uh, on one of the other um, Accessible World things, I actually read it on May 7, 2015, the 100th anniversary to the day. It wasn't planned. I like his Devil in the White City. I think is my favorite book. I loved hearing about the fair. The murder part was just kind of scary. I didn't like that part as much. I liked the format he used for that one and for the one that talked about the invention of radio and how they used it to chase down a killer. This one wasn't bad, but I didn't see where he, he tells one historic event juxtaposed against something else. Like the, he tells the story of the Chicago Columbian Exposition and how this crazy doctor was murdering people and how they caught him. Um, I am reminded of a novel, Lusitania, by David Butler. I think it's 55539 on, on the um, – NLS website, but it's not on board yet, and it's a novelization. I read it soon after, and they both were very good books. I don't think I would have traveled on that ship if I were an American back then. Germany made it very plain they were going to go after it, and I think I would have been terrified. I don't know the rules of war. Germany was at war with Great Britain. I don't know if sticking neutrals on a ship protects it. I just don't understand the politics of that. I would have taken a Swedish ship or something. And I do think, though, his historic research, his eye for detail, is incredibly good. I even remember reading somewhere there was one guy, a crewman on the Lusitania, who had survived the Titanic, and he survived the Lucy. This is Deborah, and um, I'm going to weigh back in now and just say that I'm so glad that you all chose this book because I never would have attempted to read it in a million years. It wouldn't have caught my interest, and I'm only about halfway through, so I'm not aware of some of the things that David was just talking about. But um, I have thoroughly appreciated it thus far and intend to finish. And I think one thing that really um, captured my attention, I guess, and saddened me was in the preliminary to the the sailing and telling us, you know, setting the stage of what's going on in New York City and in the world, it just made me so sad that there was this, I guess, the same kind of evil and insanity from one human to another 100 years ago as there is today, and I guess I should be old enough and wise enough not to be surprised by that, but... I'm talking about, you know, the examples of the the guy losing his job and going home and killing his five-year-old and 
the other guy proposing and after giving the ring to the woman having her pull on the ribbon that was attached to a gun so he could kill himself. It, those are exactly like the things that we read in the news today and it just was really, really troubling and saddening to me. So at any rate, I look forward to finishing the book. That was saddening to me as well. It reminded me of a, of a book, a nonfiction called One Summer by Bill Bryson, set in 1927. As the French say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. People are people, whether they lived in 1897 Paris and had to avoid marrying someone they didn't like, or whether they lived in 1938 New York City, or 1957 um, Los Angeles. It really intrigues me how the um, modern era, I guess since the mid-19th century, has really brought about situations that have in, um, increased the middle class and have made events happen that we can relate to. I just read a book called America 1900, and they were talking about a, a lot of anger that people had in the United States because when America uh, won the Spanish-American War, it went in and annexed the Philippines, and a lot of people were not for that. Yeah, this is Don, and uh, we read the, the Devil, in the, uh, not the Devil in the White City, but the Garden of Beasts was, I think, in the history group. But it was, I like this book better than Devil in the White City, uh, but I liked them both. But uh, he handled his material just well. It was an immense amount, of, but kept you glued to your seat, so to speak, uh, quite a bit. Uh, and uh, I'm glad they didn't totally. Uh, humiliate the captain he wasn't that much at fault and uh, the British Admiralty was but uh, for not having some destroyers out there but uh, and rescuing the people sooner but escorting the ship but otherwise I I really enjoyed the this was a great book well I'll add to what David and Deborah said you know people are people and politicians are politicians I, I just could not believe Oh, I mean, I, you know, I could believe. I, I mean, this kind of cast Churchill in a different light in my eyes. Uh, the fact that these guys, they had all this information they were gathering in that, that room 40. Uh, you know, yeah, I understand about national security this and greater good that and yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, it, it's just it's just wrong to... To, to cast blame and try to set the, the, the Turner up as, as the, as a scapegoat for this whole thing. But I mean, that that's the way government does. It seems like, and I don't know. I just, uh, I, I'm always, I'm always frustrated when it happens yet again, but, uh, uh, it, it's been going on for, 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 for hundreds and hundreds of years and we'll continue on to the future, I guess. Uh, uh, nobody ever wants to step up and, and take responsibility. It seems like, and, uh, but I, I enjoyed the book too. I mean, I, uh, uh, certain people can 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 tell a, a a history story and just make it where it's 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 interesting to read. You know, some people are, make it dry as dry as bones. But I think Larson does a, does a really good job of uh, interspersing the actual facts. He obviously does a lot of research. And he does a good job of uh, interspersing the facts with the personal sides of the different people that were on board and, and, and that kind of thing. And I just I thought he did an excellent job. The rules of war, by the way, had had not changed. They were they were the old sailing ships that would go and uh, capture the ship or, and as a prize or 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 let the people get out. And the, the submarine warfare was a totally new thing. In fact, World War Two, they were going to charge the Nazis at the trial with sinking 
uh, civilian ships like this until they showed them that we had done the same thing to the Japanese in the Pacific, and so they never did bring that kind of charge against the Nazis when they, who they did hang. But uh, so I think that that's something to consider. That the the rules of war can change. I thought that the information about the lifeboats was very interesting, and the man who was so upset about it and said, you know, the sailors act like they don't know what they're doing, and and when all this is going on, why aren't the people actually uh, educated in using the lifeboats? And, you know, I hadn't even thought of it that much, but with all of the cruises that are so popular today, does anybody know, do those people ever do life, you know, life-saving drills anymore, or especially with the boats, which seem to be a huge problem if there really is, you know, a, a big ship damage? Uh, when I, I went on my first cruise, and we did to Hawaii, and we did have a re- rehearsal where we put on the life, or tried to put on the life jackets, and believe me, I made a mess of it, so... I can I can feel for them uh, doing it, but um, uh, and they do have enough votes, but they do a, a rehearsal. They're not worried about scaring the people. I guess they've had too much experience at it. Yeah, I've only, I've only taken one. Uh, well, I've taken two cruises, I guess. Uh, one when I was a high school student and uh, on a senior trip, and I guarantee you. None of us would have listened to anything about uh, safety preparation, so I don't recall that. Uh, the one I took as an adult, I think they did go over some basic stuff. I mean, but the, but the simple fact of the matter is, you know, human nature, they, the, the, people either don't listen or, or it's like Don said, they, they don't want to scare folks. So uh, you, you never can prepare as much as you would need when something like this happens. I mean, and I just, I was, I couldn't believe that they hadn't even at least showed people how to use those new type of life vests that they were, they were carrying. But instead they had pictures in the room, like, like anybody is going to study that kind of thing. So, uh, uh, I, you know, it's just like anything else, everything else with hindsight, it, it's real easy to, to sit back and, 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 and point and wonder how they could have let this happen. But hey, uh, uh, such a, such as life, it seems to be. Well, it's even like airplanes. You know, they do it every time I'm on a plane, no matter where I'm flying from or to. And I think sometimes, you know, where would the water even be? But frankly, I wouldn't have the slightest idea how to do it from the description. And and I have never had the nerve to say to the stewardess, "You need to show me this individually because that's the only way I'm going to know." Well, I have been, I was just on one cruise um, many years ago. I hate to say how many, but um, I don't remember them showing us the use of uh, flotation devices or life jackets or getting into lifeboats or anything like that. Um, but on planes, I've had uh, flight attendants come to me and say, do you know how to use the the mask and the the flotation devices and they've shown me how to do it but do I remember how? Probably if I was in a situation I would, well I know you pull the mask down and you put it on your face and and this kind of thing Um, 
and I think the flotation device is under your seat or something like that, maybe. But um, with the book, I I was surprised that there were as many survivors as there were because this was pretty nasty. Well, I mean, the thing is, you can't ever really prepare. I mean, obviously, the more preparation, the better. But I, I'm not sure what you could do to to get people prepared for one of these massive uh, super t- uh, liners like this one was going down in 18 minutes. I mean, that that that, that was that was just unheard of, and uh, I, I just thought it was so tragic that so many. I think they found a lot of the bodies. They had the 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 life preservers were on incorrectly and stuff like that. Or I know that there was one scene that they were describing where. He looked at a bunch of folks that had all their life preservers, and like one guy had his head stuck through one of the armholes, and this and that and the other. So uh, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you can you can prepare for something like this, but it could have been it, it, something could have been done that 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 was better. It seemed like. Well, I also think that it was um, at that time a lot of people went to Europe. I mean, this is how you had to go, was by ship. And then I think that we all sort of have this feeling, it can't happen to me. It might happen to the other person, but not to me. So, um, and they shouldn't have gone because of the problems with Germany. But then, you know, you think, well, I have to be there for something or other, and that's how I'm going, and I'm going regardless of what's going to happen. I don't think that maybe today people think a little bit more about it because there have been so many problems with cruise ship ships in in this in this day and age. But um, it was a regular mode of, of travel so that people could get from America to Europe or Europe to America. I wanted to add, I bet that was what happened with the Titanic. Oh, it can't happen to me. This ship is enormous. No iceberg would dare bother us. We're the safest ship afloat. I would also comment the way the rich lived back then blew me away. I was almost jealous, except that they did it on the backs of so many poor people and so many um, people slaved away. Even on this ship, the first-class passengers had cabins that sounded like apartments, and their children had their own, like, cabin steward to take care of them and to keep them out of the parents' hair, and you could send down in the hold for your luggage to get the right evening gown. I believe some of that stuff went in the hold, and you had to send down for it when you wanted to wear X, whatever it was. Um, to, to for the whatever dress because they changed their clothes it sounded like quite a bit the touching things in it were there was a guy and I cannot remember his name I think he, I can't remember if he was American or Canadian he went around taking Kodak pictures of all kinds of people and that seemed like such a modern thing to do even for back then that it touched me but he dated I don't think he survived it was funny who survived and who didn't and why and some of it was just luck and some of it was where you were and how if you could swim and it was just weird it's a good thing it wasn't in winter people in that irish sea would have frozen to death yeah i i thought some of the stories about how random it, uh, the different people were that survived those people that that like fell into the smokestacks of the or, or the funnels of the thing they got blown out again i i just couldn't believe that and it was like a couple at least two or three it sounded like that that happened too which was uh which was amazing uh, I, i'm curious uh 
Larson kind of alluded to uh, uh, some of this with with all the information that the British Admiralty had, and, and not doing anything to to, to let uh, Lusitania or, or, or I guess other ships know. So maybe some of the some of their own warships about a better route to take and stuff like that. And he, he kind of alluded to the fact that I mean, does anybody else think that maybe? Uh, they were trying to. Uh, surely, they didn't want the, something to actually happen that would that would bring America into the war. I mean, I know that's what he alluded to, but uh, uh, even I'm hoping that governments can't do do stuff like that. I was wondering what other people thought. I think that that might in back mind, but I can't believe it either. And I, I think Churchill, it wasn't his only mistakes that he made, but. Um, he uh, the Dardanelles was worse, but but uh, he uh, I I think that they 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 really made a mistake by not telling telling people that there would letting them think that there would be they'd be escorted across by the navy ships and they locked the big ships in the uh, harbor so they wouldn't be torpedoed, which was probably wise. But uh, they should have had more destroyers that are too small to be worth torpedoing or at least more maneuverable. To escort these ships, then it would have been much, and they should have convoyed the ships, which they didn't really adopt till late in the Second World War. I wanted to add very quickly that if it had not been for World War II, I strongly suspect Sir Winston Churchill would have been an historic footnote. I also wanted to comment that there's no way I could have been a German or any kind of U-boat commander. I can't remember if the British had U-boats. They must have had some. But that sounded like you were in a floating can. That sounded very dangerous back then. They, I mean, they're better now, but even now I'd, I'd get so claustrophobic in one of those things, I would have had a panic attack. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and and also, I'm sorry, but, I, you know, when a ship goes down, you're supposed to send people to help them. I mean, I, I know there's a risk uh, that there might be, you know, a, a U-boat still in the area and stuff. I just could not believe that, that they didn't even send uh, any kind of military vessel or anything like that to to help to help rescue the folks. I, I mean, that just seems unconscionable to me. Uh, yeah, they they called one back, in fact, uh, but. Uh during World War II, I think half the submarines we sent out in the Pacific, I heard that once, didn't come back. So it was a dangerous, dangerous way to uh, be that, do that. This is Deborah, and I wanted to weigh in when um, if we're talking about preparation today. And uh, I've been on a handful of cruises over the last decade. And they do prepare, they, they divide people up into not small groups, but manageable groups of people, and you're instructed to bring your life jacket from the cabin, and you have to put it on, not just say you know how, but everybody has to put it on. And, but that said, it's still sort of, you know, the, the spirit of it is kind of, let's take this five minutes here to do something we absolutely must do before the party gets started. So, But that's human nature, how we got glimpses of the attitudes of so many people um, disregarding the warning from the Germans that was printed in that morning's paper. Um, I think the same is true today. You know, people just 
have intuitions and um, and it always seems like you know it can happen to somebody else. But I, I did want to say I think I think preparedness and precautions are somewhat better today. Oh, they're much better. And and uh, we I know we had to put the life belts on. I was glad I wasn't in the. That's why I told the guy next to me. I'm glad I wasn't in the navy. They'd be yelling at me for sure when I was trying getting it on. Yeah, yeah. I think Deborah, you're right. And that that kind of that kind of rang a bell when you said that. I think I kind of remember doing that too. But 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 you're right because the. Uh, uh, I mean, what kind of cruise is it going to be if everybody's there expecting disaster and stuff? You know, human nature and our mindset's going to be, yeah. What this is not going to happen to me. I mean, I, I'm invulnerable, and uh, I, I know. I mean, I don't think like that as much as as maybe the younger generations do. But uh, uh, you're you're certainly not thinking about uh, uh, the the ship going down when you're at the start of a cruise and stuff. But the, 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 at least they are taking the time and like making you put your life jackets on and stuff like that, which is which which is really good. So I'm glad that they're they're taking those kind of measures. People are much more afraid of flying, I think, and they they do listen a little better on the plane when they do the thing. But I think in ships, they're more feels safer. I went on a cruise once with family over the Christmas holidays in 2008, and it was interesting. But I guess I was expecting more of the Lusitania and not so much Carnival. It's sort of just, you know, like pizza and hot dogs and even the restaurant, you know, the food's not bad. And everything's all about shopping and playing trivia games and lounging by the pool and being stupid. I guess I wanted one of those Viking river cruise things that I've heard about where you go and you learn stuff. I want either a smaller ship, maybe a, a tall ship, the ones with all the sails on it, and you can learn stuff. I don't just want to sit around for a week and eat pizza and drink tea because if you drink Coke, you have to pay for each Coke on the cruise. They don't tell you that, but some things you have to pay for separate, and soft drinks are one of them. And don't forget the slot machines, too. Wasn't that a big a big draw on the one you went on? I thought most Carnival stuff had had the gambling and stuff, which, I mean, I could care less about. I think you're right. I was just bored. I mean, it was okay to a point, but it just seemed very, like, bland. I don't know how to explain it right. It, it certainly, I guess, I don't know if middle class is the right word, or or maybe Walt Disney-fied, or Walmarted. I don't know what's the word I want, but it's definitely it was different. I mean, I'm glad I did it. I'd always wanted to go once, and now I know what I want and what I don't want and what I can do and what I won't do. I think uh, Carnival is kind of known for that too. There, uh, well, with with a name like Carnival, I guess I guess that's what you should expect because uh, even their even their corporate name just uh, projects uh, you know party atmosphere. Yeah, I don't know if Princess Cruises is any better, or they're not like Globus was with the travel agencies uh, when I, we went on a bus tour. But uh, some are different than others i would like to do the river cruise too i don't really care for this sitting around and eating i mean when i go on a cruise, you know first i don't want to do too many islands or too many things and have overload i'd want maybe to cruise and hit three islands say maybe martinique guadalupe and one other island and spend a couple of days but they don't let you overnight in port i think they're scared people won't come back on the ship so, like I told one friend, maybe it's better just to fly to one of the islands and stay there for a week and learn the language or learn something about the culture and the language and the history. Um, so you don't, like, see 30 cities in 20 days sort of thing. My sister went on a Viking River cruise as a guide for a friend of mine. And um, 
there was so much to do, they went to Germany and um, but the the blind girl that my sister was guiding didn't really want to do anything and she was kind of like a slave driver for my sister but Judy did get to um, in um, in Germany uh, she got me a cuckoo clock which is absolutely wonderful and she said there was so much to learn there was a lot of walking and but there, she learned so much. She had a very, very good time. But there wasn't time enough to do all the things that were available. That was her main problem. And the person that she was guiding didn't want to do much of anything. But Judy at least was able to get out and do something. Seems like river those Viking cruises are very expensive. Seems like if you didn't want to do anything, just take a regular cruise and veg out by the pool. You'll have to email me, or I'll have to email you off list and find out how your sister got a guide because that's the way I'd want to do it. I mean, I I suppose I could do it independently and blah 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 yada yada, but it always takes three times as long, and then I'm all tired out from learning where the dining room is, so that I just want to go to bed. So I'm impressed your sister found your sister was able to do that that the lady found somebody like your sister but it seems like a waste of money to go on that kind of cruise and not want to do anything It is and they she shouldn't have but my sister loves guiding and um she's excellent and I got to put in a little plug for her um and she loves learning things she's a wonderful describer and um uh, but this girl went on the wrong... She just should not have gone on this cruise. This was not for her. You know, on the one I took, the ship... One thing, talk about guiding. My daughter was a guide for both of us, uh, but uh, she we, we kept getting one end of the ship mixed up with the, <laughs> the bow and the stern, which the dining room was on. So that, that, that that's a problem with a large ship, but they had a lot of lectures and things on the boat and entertainment, so that you, you were... There was something to do, and they, they repeated. If you missed something, they, they had it on the closer, the TV in your room, too, so you could watch the lecture if you were eating. or I didn't, We didn't do any gambling, but uh, so even though we were at sea most of the time, uh, we did enjoy the, the, the crew. I did enjoy it. I had some concerns about that, but I sure would love. I could go on the river cruise. That really sounds what I want to do. Okay, well, we, we, we seem to kind of, uh, I guess maybe we're through talking about the book, uh, uh, but if anybody has any last comments before uh, we talk about next month's selection, uh, now would be the time to make them, because uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm hoping to maybe end a few minutes early, because I've, I've got somewhere I need to be. So uh, any other comments about uh, Dead Wake? Well, Alan, I want to thank you for recommending this book. I don't know that I would have read it um, if it hadn't been in this book club. Um but that's, that's the uh, positive side of book clubs because you read things that you might not read otherwise. So I thank you very much. Well, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And uh, uh, in that same vein, the, uh, the, uh, the book I'm going to suggest for, for next month is, is, is also another nonfiction one. So uh, uh, I'm not on a nonfiction bandwagon, but I've just heard, you know, I've heard of a couple of these things. And when they get a lot of good 
uh, a lot of good critical press and stuff, or, or, or NPR seems to really like them, which is the case for this next month's book that I'm going to suggest. Uh, it catches my attention. So uh, uh, the one I was going to suggest, and of course, you know, y'all can y'all can weigh in with your opinions for next month, uh, which will be on August 16th, is uh, "Deep Down Dark" by uh, Hector Tobar. Uh, and it's about the uh, Chilean uh, mine disaster and, and the, the rescue of those. I don't remember how many it was, maybe 30, 30 guys that got buried down in that mine. But the book is, is supposed to be really well done. I've talked to at least one person that, that's read the, the barred version of it who said it was really, really good. So that's what I wanted to throw out there. It's uh, uh, the reading time's about uh, 13 hours. And uh, so what do you all think? I think that's mental telepathy. I've downloaded that book and haven't gotten around to reading it yet, so I'm all in favor. Oh, I am too. Well, I downloaded it from Bookshare when it first came out and started reading it um, on my stream. And then I saw that it was on Bard, and um, so then I downloaded it from Bard, and I never went back to it, but this is a perfect uh, reason for me to go back to it. it is from what i started reading it's very very good well okay then i, I it sounds like we've got consensus consensus and uh the db number is eight zero five four eight if anybody wants to make a note of that eight zero five four eight and uh, we meet uh or early next month i guess it falls on the 16th you know you know how calendar math works and stuff with the uh, how different uh, 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 Sundays of the month fall. So uh, I hope to to see everybody there. And uh, thank uh, thanks everybody for your comments today, and for everybody attending. Deborah and uh, uh, David, glad to, glad to have y'all today. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, Bob and uh, Mickey will will be back with us next month. Bob is doing better, uh, but he but he's still in the hospital. So uh, anyway, thanks uh, everybody so much for your comments.